0: Our lesson this morning is from 2 Samuel. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to fetch her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she was purifying herself after her period. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentation for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there are two men in a certain city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife. And you have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Here ends the reading. Be
1: to God. Friends and followers of Jesus, the amazing grace and peace that is poured out upon us by God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. It's uh, such a joy and privilege to be here with you on your Consecration Sunday. Um, As you heard earlier, uh, Pastor Scott and Pastor Joanna and I uh, spend the noon hour on Wednesdays together, uh, also with soon-to-be Deacon Brian. Uh, We're over lunch. We talk about the Bible text for the coming Sunday. They regularly give me insights and uh, ideas about how I might go preaching it at my congregation. I fear that the spiritual lives of the people of Oak Grove would be uh, that much worse off without them. (laughs) I can't tell you how valuable it is to have colleagues who are smart and experienced and who you can trust to be open with. Uh, Pastor Scott is my go-to guy uh, to uh, Think about anything that has to do with, with the church, and um, Pastor Joanna, it, even though she makes fun of the seminary that I went to, um, <laughs> I'm so grateful for her friendship and, um, and her passion for fairness and justice. Old white guys desperately need people like her in their lives, and I'm so grateful. And because of the two of them, I feel connected to you people as well as they uh, talk about the life at Shepherd and, and how you are involved in God's mission in the world. Even though it's done all the time, it seems funny in a way to bring in an outsider to speak, in on, to speak on Consecration Sunday because, of course, you know better than anybody what a blessing this congregation is. But as an outsider, I get to notice things and... I get to uh, pay attention to what you might take for granted over time and I get to remind you that what you're doing as a church really matters, and really makes a difference. I know that from your pastors you regularly hear the good news of God's love for this world proclaimed and that here you have your, your, the word of God connected to your faith and your life in this real world today. I know how well served you are by your diaconal intern, Brian. You can't judge a children's ministry program by numbers alone, but I know how things have changed around here uh, because of his ministry and his leadership. And his work on technical and social media things uh, puts me in mind of that commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's church's church's website. (laughs) But I do. I just met your faith community nurse, Kay, earlier this week, and I'm not ashamed to say that hearing the way she talks about her work with such passion and compassion moved me to tears. And from what I can tell, from what others say, Sean in the office can do pretty much anything, although she might not want me to point that out in a public way. The other thing I hear about often is that your custodian, Kevin, is the very face of hospitality around here. And what a gift from God that is for any church. And it's part of what makes Shepherd such a welcoming place. As an outsider looking in, I can see that what a strong music program you have. That you have things going on and care provided for every age from before birth till the oldest of members. And I know how deeply you're connected to your community around you, seeing your ministry extend far beyond the people here in the walls of this building. I've been with your elected leaders now on a couple of occasions, and seen how well served you are by their dedication and their faithful leadership. And finally, I know that for a lot of you, this church is more than just a spiritual home, which is good to have. And it's more than just a place to be nourished by the Word of God and by the sacraments that carry God's grace into our lives, which is a lot, but this congregation of people is family. And that is a true and rich blessing in a world that often leaves us feeling disconnected and divided. As we think about all these things and give thanks for all of the leaders and the people and the programs and the activities that make up Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church, we also remember that it doesn't end there. None of us worship and plan and have programs and activities for their own sake or for our own sake. But What you do here is the beginning of your participation in God's mission in the world. From here you go out and share, and care, and be, and love, and forgive, and reconcile, and act for justice in the world. This place offers a space of refuge, and restoration, and renewal, and inspiration, so that you can leave it again, and be a loving and healing presence out there, where it matters. That's why we remind you today that your financial support of all of this matters. Because of all of the things that happen out in the world because of what happens here. When a church starts to go through hard times, they begin to wonder if they should keep on going as a church, keep on trying, keep on existing. One of the questions they ask is, who would notice if we were gone? Who would be affected if we were no longer here? Who would miss us? And I think I know how you would answer that. Because of what happens here and what happens out there because of what happens here, the community around you would feel a tremendous loss. So for all that you have and all that you are and all that you do and all that you mean, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for another year moving forward in faith. Before we look at the Bible text in front of us today, I want to tell you that Pastor Scott came to our church last year as our Consecration Sunday preacher. And after his message and the commitment cards were all tallied up, we had an 8% increase in giving for the coming year. So that puts a certain amount of pressure on us today. Laughter on me or on you, I I don't know. (laughs) Thought you should know. So, David and Bathsheba. When I first realized that this would be the Bible text read on your consecration Sunday, I thought it was some kind of prank, (laughs) some practical joke. It's hard to imagine a more cringe-worthy story to read on a day when we're celebrating your ministry here, and looking for inspiration and encouragement for the year ahead, but there you have it. It was springtime that year when David stayed home from the war. Leaves were turning, returning to the trees, I imagine grasses and plants greening up after the frozen brown of winter, wildflowers covering the hillsides. The birthing of lambs in the high meadows, the cycle of renewal and rebirth once again. But none of those joys or hopes of springtime are mentioned here. Only the tawdry and unhappy story of David and his encounter with Bathsheba. Taking a stroll up on the roof of the king's house, David looked out and saw a woman. When a king stands on the roof of his palace, on the top of his world, and looks out from that place of privilege, he knows that he is the master of all that he sees. And David saw what he wanted and he took what he wanted. And I suppose he figured, who would know? Who would see? But others would see. Bathsheba would see. The story spares us any word about her humiliation, her victimization, like so many stories of women abused. But she sees. And certainly Uriah would see the husband of the woman if his wife is expecting a child while he has been off fighting in the king's army. He would see. And so one sin leads to the next and Uriah is eliminated from the scene, we don't see him anymore. But the storyteller sees too, and because of that we also see. We can see what the delusion of your own greatness and power can lead to. When you start to think that you make the rules or that the rules don't apply to you, It's a familiar story repeated again and again through history and ripped from today's headlines. David figures, who would see? But we see, and God sees. But what matters is that David sees, and he does not or cannot. And so the Lord sent Nathan to him with a little story about two men, one rich and the other poor, the one with many flocks and herds and the other with but a single lamb, more like a pet than livestock, more like a daughter than a pet. What could be sadder than its demise at the hand of the rich and powerful? And the king who does not see his anger and Righteous indignation is aroused and he shouts out in his kingdom for justice. He still couldn't see what we all could see, that he was the man. And that is the gift that Nathan brings to let David see himself the way others see him. And the king's eyes were open at last. Martin Luther said that the purpose of God's law is to drive us into the arms of mercy and grace. Not that we always want to go there. When we are confronted by the truth about ourselves, we are faced with our own shortcomings. We often try to rationalize away our behavior. But that leaves us stuck where we're at and helpless to move beyond it. But when we're confronted by the truth about ourselves, we can come to the conclusion that we have nowhere to turn but to God's mercy and grace. And here, the old king who's been nothing but a bad example so far, shows us how it's done. Tradition holds that after David comes to see how others see him and how God sees him, he turns to poetry to the words of the psalm, where he pleads for God's mercy and acknowledges his wrongdoings. And he asks for a new heart and a new start. And David trusts that God will give him all these things, not because he asks and not because he deserves it, but because God gives those things freely. At the end of his life, things weren't going very well at all for David. They covered him in his bed, but he just couldn't stay warm. And Bathsheba came to him there, to his bedside, to talk about their son Solomon. And they're kind of a sad sight, the two of them. Him shivering in his bed and her concerned about the politics of the realm and whether her son would succeed his father when he was gone. I find myself hoping that after all these years that he looked at her with more respect and love than he did from the roof that first day that they met. And I find myself feeling kind of sorry for them, maybe even wishing that as he died, maybe God would give David a look ahead Just a glimpse of just how far God would go with this forgiveness. How generations from now, in a descendant of Bathsheba and this imprudent, reckless king, how God would act to forgive this whole world by a birth in a stable, a death outside the city walls, and the promise of restoration and life. And maybe that's a way that this terrible story intersects with the beautiful thing that we're doing here today. Stewardship is about money, to be sure, a tool that supports and enables your ministry here. But it's also about other stuff, too. It's about hearts softened up by God's grace and forgiveness. It's about the myriad and mysterious ways that the Spirit of God nudges us and coaxes us along and fans the flames of faith in us and warms the compassion inside of us for, for one another and for our world. For all that went wrong with him, God never gave up on David. Through it all, God hangs in there with him. And his story helps us see that regardless of all the good things that we've done, and in spite of all the countless ways we've managed to mess things up, God's plan is to go on loving us, world without end. And the people who know that, and who believe it in their hearts, they are the freest and most generous people in the world.
2: Change my heart, oh God.
3: stand. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us pray for the whole creation of God and for all of those according to their needs. Gracious and loving God, we indeed give you thanks for our family of faith. Inspire us to be your hands and feet in the world. Give us generous hearts, give us words of compassion, and teach us to live lives of forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all, when we wrong others or make mistakes, teach us to confess, teach us to ask for forgiveness and accept help. And remind us, as others wrong us, to graciously forgive and welcome those home with open arms and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all life, we pray for all of those in the world who are hurting, who are in need of your life-giving and healing presence. We name before you today those in our community who we ask for your spirit and love and life to rest gently upon. We pray for Donna, Avery, Wes, Bill, Paul, Carol, Paul, Melissa, Taylor, the grandma of Robin Beck, Jerry, Larry, Ron and Betty, Marissa, Brenda. Pray for Andrea Hagen and her baby, the niece of Julie Showers, for Jean Langhow, for the family and friends of Jenny Ralston on her death, for Norm and Rosemary Anderson and family on the death of their brother-in-law Clayton, For the family and friends of Ann Ness on her death, for Gladys, Becca, Bruce, Tom, Casimir, Shalina, Maddie, Margaret, Scott, Vic, Pat, Helen, Xavier, Ursula, Christian, Susan, Kevin, Mary, Karen, Dan, and all those that we name silently before you in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O God, we commend all for which we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Please turn and share a sign of God's peace with one another.
2: i mm-hmm. Let the song grow louder, as our love grows stronger, let it shine.
3: from school, freshman, thank you. (laughs) Please stand. God of all creation, bless our offering that it may reach those who hunger, who hurt, who seek new hope. With these gifts, we offer our whole lives to you and pray that you would renew us as we follow Christ, seeking shalom for all creation. We are celebrating communion this morning. All are invited to God's table. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be Lutheran. All are invited. There are gluten-free wafers available for those that need them. There's white grape juice in the middle of each tray and red wine on the outside. Even if you or your children have not yet been prepared for communion, we still invite you forward for a blessing. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Loving God, remember us in your kingdom as you have taught us to pray. The table has been prepared. All are invited. You may be seated.
2: let Thank okay. you.
3: please stand. And now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen us and keep us in his grace. Amen. Amen. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our last act of worship today is to take our promise cards and to complete them, and that's what the picnic basket is for, right in the front. Uh, So as an act of worship, after you have completed your card, you can simply put it in the basket, and then you are welcome to go right out to breakfast. You don't need to wait. Uh, You don't need to pass go. No need for $500. Just right straight out to breakfast. So Just a note about your promise cards. Please make sure and print very, very clearly so that Sean does not have to decipher your handwriting. That's very helpful. And then also note that the commitment listed is per week. If you plan to give by month or annually, please make sure and note that appropriately on your pledge card. So as we go, uh, Brian will be playing us out. Just put the pledge card in the picnic basket and you are welcome to go to breakfast. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.